With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nothing says home more than family and friends around the table, especially when the food is from Fairway. High quality hand-cut meats, fresh produce, and affordable pricing. Be sure you're ready for family by stocking up on everything from the best possible source. Refreshingly Fairway. So um, what's up is I hit record and it wasn't recording. <laughs> so this is, this is the benefit of live podcasting. That, no, it's not really live, but we're live. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to start over here? Or... Uh, no, nah, let's roll with okay, it. Okay, cool, cool. We'll, we'll show people our warts. With the, I don't care. Yeah, why not? But, you know, but, typically uh, we're... <laughs> we are uh, we're we're in basketball season, and we're obviously going to talk a lot about Hawkeye basketball as they've had a couple of nice wins and some news today as they're back in the AP poll and uh, some Big Ten awards. But uh, may, maybe more newsy right now is is the football team, and and that's because Kirk Ferentz spoke with the media today. Rob, I know you were in attendance in Iowa City. Uh, we'll hit on some of the things. Uh, specifically here in the next few minutes, but uh, overall, how was the the press conference today with Coach Ferentz? These are pretty relaxed, Andrew. He started these, um, I believe it was after the 2014 season when we had the the collapse late, the losses to Michigan or the losses to Wisconsin and Nebraska at home, and then the collapse against Tennessee in the Tax Slayer Bowl, and that's football was the 2014 season. So he kind of rebooted then and started doing these each January. And it's nice. He kind of looks back at the previous season and then, and then ahead to the, to the next season. They're not really packed with a ton of news, but a little, a few tidbits here and there, but it's more just kind of closing the book on one season and opening the book on the next season. And tomorrow being Tuesday, January, the what 21st or 22nd, um, is the first meeting kids get back to school. Uh, they'll meet as a football team for the first time. So really the 2020 season has begun. Wow. That's incredible to think about. Not, not much of a break there at all for those guys. Uh, and, and the 2020 season, it appears we have our quarterback in Spencer Petrus. It seems like he is the guy going in uh, and knowing Kirk Ferentz and the way he's kind of run this program for the last 21 years, he doesn't like to change quarterbacks midstream. So unless something, I guess, unexpected happens in spring ball or over the summer, uh, we can pretty much, uh, I think, be sure that Spencer Petrus is going to be the starting quarterback for the 2020 season and most likely the starter for the vast majority of that season. Yeah, barring an injury, and I don't remember the last time an Iowa quarterback, maybe Rudock in 2014, I think, maybe missed the Purdue game, and C.J. Beathard came in 
and played that game. But you think about the last decade, there just haven't been a lot of injuries at that position, which I guess is is certainly a good thing. But barring injury, I agree with you. It looks like Spencer Petras is the guy, and uh, behind him will be Alex Padilla, who will be a redshirt freshman next year, and then true freshman Deuce Hogan. So really, uh, I, I, I put it in my notebook right here. Uh, Spencer Petrus of the three is the only guy that's seen the field and it's been in mop-up duty. He's completed six of 11 passing attempts for 25 yards. So that's what Iowa is going into the season with next year. That, that's a that's a little worrisome for me, Rob. And I, th- I think every every Iowa fan is probably feeling that same way because you have so much coming back. You have so many weapons coming back. Uh, the wide receivers, Tyler Goodson, and some other running backs. You have a, a strong offensive line. You think coming back, and and you know you always feel good about Iowa's defense. And it's it's all going to hinge, and and, and then a tough schedule. So it's all going to hinge on on Spencer Petrus and what he has done the last couple of years in this program, and what he's able to do over these next uh, handful of months as the as the guy moving forward. How does he kind of take the reins of this program? And I guess you feel good that. And I watched the video you had. You can everybody can watch that HawkeyeNation dot com uh, or on Rob's Twitter account from from Kirk Ferentz today, and, and he said, you know especially during December. He said, yeah, it was in practice, but during December, Spencer Petrus became a college quarterback, and it was kind of the first time that Ferentz and the coaching staff really uh, looked at him and said, all right, he, he's the guy, he can get this job done. So, so much of this next season, which I think there's going to be a lot of expectations coming into this next season, so much of it uh, hinges on on Spencer Petrus and, and what he's able to do over these next few months to get himself ready. Yeah, and you touched on it, Andrew. I guess from a you know glad when you look at it glass half full even though he's not experienced he has a lot of experience around him you talked about the you know the the receivers as good a receiving group now that Ference has had just in terms of experience and production coming back um Sam Laporta emerged late in the season at tight end as did Tyler Goodson um you know you got Linderbaum in his second year at center Alaric Jackson back uh, you know, Kyler shot Mark Kallenberger. There's experience. They're going to miss Werfs, but there's experience on the offensive line. He's got, he's, he's walking into a pretty good situation overall for a first year starting quarterback. And hopefully that lets him settle in a little bit. And, um, you know, he was a four-star quarterback coming out of high school in Northern California. He bought, he broke all of Jared Goff's high school records played at the same high school, uh, in Northern California. So the pedigree is there. Um, the talent around him is there. You just don't know what you're going to see on that Friday night, maybe in Minnesota <laughs> early, right. early in the season. Uh, he's got road games, as you said, a tough schedule at Ohio state at Penn state. Um, going to be fun. Going to be interesting to see how he settles in. I was had success with first year quarterbacks. Um, and we'll see how Spencer Petras does. Yeah, you talk about the stability around him. Ken O'Keefe will will uh, be that as well. He, he goes into that column as well as uh, Kirk Ferentz announced today. He will be back as quarterbacks coach. I think Kirk said he he expects all ten of his assistants to be back, and and we've kind of come to expect that under under Kirk Ferentz. Not just his stability as head coach, but um, some stability within that uh, coaching staff as well. And yeah, it's going to be you know I think obviously I hope the best for Spencer Petras, and and I think he'll do a good job. But I, I'm sure there are going to be a, a few times next season where we all remember Nate Stanley a little more fondly than maybe we did at times during his career. Uh, you know, he 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 would he was prone to throw a bad pick or two here or there, but for the and 
and he wasn't going to go out and win you a lot of games, but he wasn't going to lose many games or make many big mistakes. And you felt pretty good with his steady hand on, on the control. And, uh, you know, with the first year quarterback coming in, it's just, there's, it's going to be different, I guess. Yeah, I agree, Andrew. And they ask a lot of the quarterback position. It's, you know, it's a lot of read and react a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, um, analyzing at the line of scrimmage, pre-snap reading. Um, so there's a lot there. And you can't, you can teach a lot of that, but really, you know, the guy has to be in a game and because you can kind of figure out what your defense is doing in practice, but you can bet that the defenses that, um, Iowa sees this year, uh, I'm sure Matt Campbell will come up with some things at Iowa state to, to confuse the young guy or try to confuse the young guy. So it's going to be a lot of um, baptism under fire for him. Um, the good thing is, is this is his third spring. He did enroll early, so he has experience in this system. Now it's just a matter of you know on-the-job experience. He doesn't have that yet, and there's no way of getting that until he's out there. And he did take a lot of first-team reps during bowl prep. Uh, as you said, Nate Stanley was so advanced that he, he could afford to not suck up all those number one reps during bowl prep and still be prepared for the bowl. So Spencer did get a lot of reps in December and it sounds like, as you said, he took some necessary steps forward. Um, but you know, it, we'll find out when the bullets are flying. Cause it's, you just don't know until, until those lights come on and, and there's 70,000 people and, it's loud, and you've got to make the right call. One of the great things in the video you shared about uh, the, the press conference today, as you mentioned, Ference is a little more relaxed during this press conference. It's kind of the in-between, you know, putting a, a bow on the, the last season and, and opening up the next season. Uh, and, and he talked about, you know, if you have a kid and you want him to play sports, you know, don't, <laughs> don't, don't have him play <laughs> don't teach him basketball. Don't worry about baseball. Just teach him how to punt. Don't worry about offensive line. Just teach him how to punt because uh, there, there is a, a lack of punters apparently across the country. Uh, I did see you just tweeted something right before we started recording here, Rob, about, about a punter coming into the program. But um, I guess talk about that and maybe, maybe any other news, uh, anything from the late signing period or the transfer portal that you learned from Coach Ferentz today. Yeah, so – um, Michael Sleep Dalton, who I, who I thought had a really solid season and stabilized that punter position, uh, was the grad transfer from Arizona State from Australia. Um, and Australia really has found its niche. You know, the, there's Australian rules football, and I haven't watched a lot of it, but I know there's kicking involved and then running with the ball. It's kind of anarchy when I see it because I don't know the rules that well. Um, but in, you know, in getting to know Michael sleep Dalton and his story and how he came through the Australian kicking Academy, I think that's what it's called. Um, and, uh, that Academy is, is pumping out a lot of punters for the United States college football. And I think Iowa is looking there again for a high school kid, a younger kid. Um, but they are bringing in a walk on who was at North Dakota State via Woodbury Central in King, Kingsley, Iowa, uh, Nick Phelps, uh, who enrolled actually um, in the summer, this past summer, and then went to school this fall, uh, but sat out and wasn't part of the football team and will join the team uh, tomorrow when it reconvenes after the break 
and will be walking on and, and entering that punter um, competition. And you've got Ryan Gersande, uh, who had a, a pretty serious leg injury last year and didn't really punt. So I believe he's a he's either a third year sophomore or fourth year junior, but there's not a lot there. So that's really we joke about it and people joke about it on Twitter that punting is winning. But for Iowa, it really is. They have to have somebody at that position. We saw two years ago um, when that pu- that position wasn't stabilized, how much it can hurt Iowa in terms of field position. That's what Iowa does. It plays the field position game. So be interesting to see Nick Phelps comes in. I'm not sure that they're done yet either. I talked about the high school kid from Australia. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them add somebody else at that position, whether it be by walk-on or scholarship before the season start starts. It's a, it's a critical spot to fill this offseason. It's one of those spots that isn't the sexiest thing, but you're exactly right. A couple of years ago, we saw it. It's You take it for granted when you have it, and then when you don't have it, it it's devastating, especially for a team, as you said, that plays the way Iowa does, this field position game and um, really kind of you know waiting to make their move. You have to have a good punter who can flip that field position uh, and, and do it reliably on a consistent basis. And uh, when Iowa doesn't have that, they get into trouble. So a lot of eyes will be on that punting position as we head through spring ball. Uh, another couple of just bits, bits of news since the last time you and I spoke, Rob. AJ Epinesa, Tristan Wirfs, both officially declared for the NFL draft. Not a surprise. We talked about that. Uh, do expect them to both be first round picks, and that's that'll be four first round picks of of you know guys with eligibility left in in two seasons for Iowa. You know it's it's tough because it's one of these positions where as a fan you wish that you could you wish you could expect four years out of your best players, and that's just not the way it is anymore. You obviously hope for the best for these guys, but I think it's probably good for the program uh, on the whole to to be seen as a place that just pumps guys into the NFL um, at a variety of positions, whether or not they stay all four years, it's a, it's a, this will be nine in three years and three seasons, nine guys who go early um, again, four of whom are, are expected to be first round draft picks. Yeah. I think, I think on a macro level, it's a good place for a program to be. I agree, Andrew, and I think it shows that Iowa is doing well both in recruiting and in player development. If you look at the four guys, uh, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant were third year. They spent three years in the program each, as did A.J. Epinesa and Tristan Wirfs. So three years for all four of those guys and then going into the first round of the draft, that helps on the recruiting trail. That When you're trying to sell guys on, hey, you know, you come to Iowa, we're putting guys in the NFL and we're putting guys in the NFL relatively early. If you go there and you work hard um, and develop and do what the coaches tell you, you have a chance to make a lot of money. I think TJ Hawkinson's signing bonus last year is the eighth. I think he was the eighth or ninth pick was like $12 million. Just Ooh. here you go, kid. Check 12 million. Boom. Set for <laughs> life. And that's, and yeah, there's, there's only four of those guys that have done that last year, but we saw Monty Hooker the other day on TV mm-hmm. for Tennessee as a fourth-round pick. He spent three years at Iowa. Um, you know, Anthony Nelson played this year uh, for Tampa Bay uh, after coming out after his junior year. Um, so, yeah, that that's there, and I think that helps Iowa both from a recruiting standpoint and a player development standpoint, from an exposure standpoint, all – there's nothing like that advertisement on 
you know, during as many people as watch the NFL draft, and it's just it's an event. I think it's in Vegas this year too, which will make it even more interesting. That that's a that's really a great advertisement when you're putting guys in the first round like that. And I think Iowa's got what four guys that are on active rosters in the Super Bowl. You talk about Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman on the Chiefs and. Everybody knows George Kittle now, the world's favorite, most favorite tight end or, or lovable <laughs> tight end or however you want to classify him. And then C.J. Beathard on the, and Ross Reynolds is on the practice squad for the 49ers. So, yeah, there's a lot of good things happening with the Iowa football program. And this trend, Andrew, is not going, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah. Train has left the station. This is where we are now in, in modern day football. I, I don't see this as 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 a something that I was not going to have to contend with moving forward. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah. You talk about advertisements for the football program and, and George Kittle being the, the guy he is and the star in this league. He is having the next two weeks to just talk to the media, uh, become even more of a darling. I mean, over the last year, 15 months or so, he's, he's really become a star on and off the field. And, and his personality is showing through in a way that um, I never never knew about maybe, maybe you guys who cover the team every day uh, could see that when he was at Iowa. But you know, those of us who are a, li- a little bit more distant, I don't think we ever saw uh, this George Kittle and it's going to be so much fun to watch him over the next couple of weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, and, you know, hopefully having a big game and, you know, who knows he, he he's the type of player and has the role on that team where he has a, a good game in a couple of weeks and, you know, he could be the Super Bowl MVP or something like that. Um, the advertisement that he is for this football program uh, is is pretty incredible. Without question. And you look at, you know, full circle going, you know, circling back around to recruiting, he and Hawkinson and Fant, that position, I was done so well and, and had so much exposure there that, and sometimes it takes a year or two in recruiting for that to, you know, to pay dividends. But it did in this recruiting class. You got Elijah Yelverton, who's who's here now. He'll he'll start classes tomorrow. Uh, Four star kid from Texas who had offers from, you name it, LSU, Georgia, Texas. I mean, he he's a he's a top flight. And we talk a lot about the two stars that Iowa develops, but they they can do well. Um, you know, Epinesa and worse were highly regarded kids. And the tight end and, and Kittle is certainly playing a role in this. Um, and then Luke Lachey, whose dad, Jim Lachey, played in the NFL as a tight end out of Ohio that's, that will be here in June. So you're, it's all, it all kind of ties together. You know, Andrew, you, you, you do well, you get exposure, and then you, then you replenish your program on the recruiting trail. And you think about where Iowa's come the last five years, 47 wins. In the last five years, after that, you know, unfortunate 2014 season where things kind of fell apart, and they handed out a, a sheet today, the 47 wins in the last five years, that would be 2015 through 2019, Iowa's in fifth place. Ohio State's got 61 wins over that span. Um, Oklahoma, this is weird. Oh, Big Ten and Big 12 teams. So if you're just looking at our footprint, you got Ohio State with 61, Oklahoma with 58, Wisconsin with 52, Penn State with 49, and then Iowa and Michigan each with 47 uh, during the last five years. So that kind of puts you in perspective how and where the program is at right now. 
And I, I remember seeing a, a tweet or something. Uh, I wish I, I remembered exactly what it was, but I think it's fifth, you know, Big Ten, Big 12. I think it's even like top 10, maybe right on that precipice, you know, 10th, 11th, right around there uh, in the country for wins over the past five years. So as and you if, said, they, they changed something there. And if you're wanting to put that in perspective, and I'm not picking on Iowa rivals, but during that same span where Iowa has 47 wins, Iowa State has 29 wins and Nebraska has 28 wins. So, wow. there you go. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, it's it's fun. We got a lot of time to talk football over the next few months and obviously uh throughout the summer and as things continue to go, Rob will have you covered hawkeynation.com and on Twitter for everything going on there, but uh we have a a ranked basketball team to talk about again, Rob, after a couple of weeks of being just left out of the top 25 in the AP poll. Iowa is back, uh, ranked 19th today, and uh, swept the Big Ten Weekly Awards. You had Luca Garza, Big Ten Player of the Week, his second honor of the season after averaging 30 points and two wins for the Hawkeyes. And then, who'd have thought this a week ago when we were talking? C.J. Frederick, the Big Ten Freshman of the Week. Uh, you know, when we talked last Monday, Rob, we were – we had just begun to get a little optimistic about the fact that he may be back this season. And, and, you know, Fran McCaffrey had said on Monday in a teleconference, he wouldn't rule out CJ playing on Tuesday night at Northwestern, but I don't think anybody expected that until just before the game, when the report came out, he would play. Not only did he play in these two games, uh, he played so well that he's the freshman of the week. Uh, what a boost to this team and, and what a week it had over the, over those two, what wins at Northwestern and then home against uh, 19th ranked Michigan. Yeah. And it can't be overstated what his impact was on those two games. You just, cause you look at the game prior, um, to the Maryland game. So they've won three in a row, but before that against Nebraska, how they struggled being four for 33 from three and floor spacing. And you watch the Northwestern and Michigan games and how they can spread the opponent out with Wieskamp and Frederick being that threat from the outside. And then you've got Garza and Creener on the inside. And plus those two big guys with the ability to come out and make a three pointer. I was really, really hard to defend. And then Frederick adds a lot. And we talked about this last week, Andrew. His defense is underrated. He does a really nice job defensively on the perimeter, which I think Iowa was missing a little bit in his absence. So he is just a key component to this team. And you add him in with the other pieces. And, uh, yeah, who would have thought Wednesday night we would be getting – 19th ranked Iowa against 24th ranked Rutgers at Carver Hawkeye Arena. I think we're in like a different, we're like in a, in like the bizarro world of college <laughs> basketball right now. It, it really, it really is uh, pretty incredible to see what, what Iowa has done. And then yeah, Rutgers obviously playing very well at another top 25 game at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Uh, hopefully a big crowd there Wednesday night as, as the students will be back and, um, a lot of excitement around the program right right now, and and for good reason. Um, you know, Frederick will be kind of the one one of the guys that gets the headline. Obviously, Garza is Garza. I don't know you know what superlatives we could say about him at this point. He's he just is one of the best players in the country, um, and and we can talk about that a little bit more. But I do want to just point out the way that Ryan Creener has played in these in these last two games, especially mm-hmm. uh, the way that he stepped up. The, the game against, I, th- I think it was the Northwestern game where Garza was in foul trouble pretty early and 
sat for a good chunk, didn't score for a good chunk of that game. And during that game, for the, the way that Kreener was able to kind of play that role down low and, and play that center role, but also step out and hit a three if needed, um, his energy, his effort out there, uh, to see him kind of, I think we've always seen that he has talent. To see him kind of uh, to let that show a little bit more over these last couple of games has been a lot of fun. Yeah, he came into the post game on Friday night, and uh, somebody asked because I think he scored eleven in that first half the other night against Michigan. Right. He really, he really kept Iowa in that game. Iowa was was um, you know struggling to to find some offense, and he came in, hit his first shot, and then just kind of took off from there. Yeah, he sparked that run in the first half. He really did, and it's it's a it's a wide array of of shots too, Andrew. It's that mid range game. He can take it out to three. He's good around the rim. He's a tough cover, and so he comes in the post game, and we, you know we asked him about that first half. He goes, man, he goes. I thought I was going to have a Luca night and drop forty on him. <laughs> <laughs> He's really, um, he's one of those glue guys like Connor McCaffrey. Um, Connor does, Connor had 13 rebounds against Michigan, which was huge. Um, and, and just does so much in different areas that maybe don't show up in the box score, but Creener's that guy who also does those little things and is really a glue guy. He's, he's really good in the locker room. His teammates like him. Um, he's, he's a senior. He's really the lone senior on this team. And you need that leadership. And I, I shouldn't, he's the lone senior that's been here through his career. Bakari Evelyn is another guy that's really been, been playing yeah. well lately, you know, really giving Iowa good minutes off the bench as Toussaint kind of gets his, still continues to try to get his feet under him. Um, they just seem, Andrew, I don't know what it is, but they just, whenever they need something, they get, and like you said, Frederick and, and, um, and Luca, you kind of know, and Wieskamp, you know what you're going to get from those guys. They're, they're kind of the, the, the horses that steer this thing, but those role players like Creener and Bakari Evelyn and, and Connor McCaffrey, they all kind of do whatever's necessary to get things done and to make Iowa successful. It's we've we've done this podcast what three or four times together, Rob. Since since you and I kind of took this over, and I still haven't been able to quite yet yeah, say figure out the way to say it the best. Are, are, is it toughness? Is it resilience? Uh, you're exactly right. When when they need something, they get it. They find a guy to, to give that to them, and whether that's you know a, a, a pass from Pemsel or uh, you know a, a rebound from Connor McCaffrey, as you said, he, he's led the team in rebounding the last two games. Hasn't been lighting up the scoreboard, but the things he does out there, the way he runs that offense, the patience he has, the basketball IQ that you can tell he he's out there with. Um, it's yeah, Bakari Evelyn. All these guys are are just playing their roles. Even the guys who are who are great, even Luca Garza, his role is a bigger role and it's a different role. But he's not doing anything. Uh, you know, way out of what he normally does or, or what we've expected from him. He's doing it at a higher rate and he's scoring a lot more than, than he has the last couple of seasons. But it's nothing where you say, oh, he added this one major piece to his game. Same thing with, with Joe Wieskamp, who, you know, at times could be a little more aggressive. And I think when he does do that and gets to the rim a little bit, it, it opens up his game a bit. And we, we've seen that over the last couple of games. But um they're, even though they have two stars, it doesn't feel like there's one star on this team. It kind of feels like a bunch of role players who know what they're doing, have been in this program for long enough. They're being well coached uh, and, and are just kind of playing to the, the best of their ability. And 
you wonder how long it can go. Uh, you you hope that there's not a fade coming. I know a lot of fans are kind of bracing for that. But man, I'm just enjoying this ride right a, now, and it's it's that been was fun. Andrew who brought up the word fade. Just for the record, <laughs> Rob did not bring you up. You know, fade. you know, it's it's funny because I've, I've been thinking about this because there's a there are a lot a lot of things that can happen. You know, before you and I hit record, uh, we talked about it feels like we've been in the season for a long time, but they're really just seven games into the Big Ten schedule and and have 13 left to go. So there's a lot of season left here, and a lot of things that can happen. Uh, you know, injuries and, and that sort of a thing. You, it feels like if there is any sort of a fade this season, it's not going to be, or at least it shouldn't be placed. Obviously, depending on on how it goes, it shouldn't be placed on the shoulders of Fran McCaffrey. It may be a a fatigue thing. It may be maybe an attrition thing. Uh, it may be a second time through the league. People figure out how to play Luca Garza a little differently, and and you have a couple of bad shooting nights like you had Lincoln a couple of weeks ago. But, um. If this fade happens, and I don't think it will, but I, I haven't thought it would any of the last handful of years either. So <laughs> I'm not a great, <laughs> I'm not Nostradamus when it comes to this. But um, if it happens, it feels like it'll be more uh, of an attrition and a fatigue thing. And and if that does happen, it really feels like it'll be a shame because this team and this coaching staff has earned more than that. I want to run this by you. Um, cause I was thinking, I think, you know, I think it's natural to, you know, we've, we've been to the movie before where it doesn't end well. And I think it's natural to kind of think about that, but I was thinking about this the other day. Um, it seems like, you know, in past years when, when there, you know, was a fade, there were things that maybe were happening earlier in the year that weren't sustain sustainable. For me, I look at this team and everything they're doing right now looks sustainable. I, I don't know. Maybe you maybe you can think of something that that could go away or, or is it isn't something that they will be continue to be able to do. I, I just I think about okay, there's gonna be a team that figures out how to stop Garza. Good luck. I yeah. mean, Nebraska won. But that was an aberration for me just in terms of I don't think Iowa's going to shoot that poorly again. That was just one of those nights where Hoiberg's game plan worked and it was kind of a it was kind of just throwing thing at something at the wall and see if it stuck. And it did. And it worked. And I'll give him credit for that. But I mean, Garza grew he he drew 12 fouls on Michigan the other day. He was a one man wrecking crew for their interior players. They they couldn't Teske, who's considered a really good big man in this league was for the second time this season, just outclassed. It wasn't even close. And then Brandon Johns got fouled out, just try, you know, figuring, all right, we'll throw a more athletic guy on him. And they couldn't do that either. So I, I don't know, maybe you can think of something that's not sustainable that they're doing right now. I can't no, And I guess that's, that's partially what I was trying to say in my convoluted way of, you know, no stars on this team, but you're exactly like they're, they're all role players because yeah, it doesn't feel like, even if Garza has an off night, even if he is mitigated to some extent and only scores 12 points, you feel like that's going to open up things on the outside a lot more. And, and a guy like CJ Frederick can really take advantage of that. Joe Wieskamp obviously can take advantage of that. Uh, you, you feel like Ryan Creener can step in and, and kind of play that role if needed uh, at, at different times. I think you're exactly right. Um, in past seasons, there, there are things you could point at and say, well, if, if this, falls apart if this one thing goes wrong then this whole thing is kind of a house of cards it doesn't feel like that it doesn't feel like this season which is 
shocking because of all the adversity they've had this season. And they're playing an eight man rotation, which for Fran McCaffrey is almost unheard of mm. it for, for this season to be the most stable one uh, is almost counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense, but then you watch it night in and night out game in and game out. And it's clear that this is a this is a solid basketball team, and they they all know their roles and they play them well, and I think that bodes well for for this stretch and and what a stretch it's going to be, man. Now, now you're home for a while here. You have three of your next four at home, but but three of those four teams are ranked. The Big Ten is a meat grinder, and you have to protect home court. This is going to be a tough little stretch here with Rutgers coming in the only game this week. Uh, so hopefully, you know, any lingering injuries or or nagging things can get cleared up this week with just the one game. But then next week you have Wisconsin at Maryland, home against Illinois on a Monday, Thursday, Sunday. Uh, this is a, I, I guess I don't know how many times we can say there's a pivotal stretch for this basketball team. I guess they're all going to be pivotal stretches in one way or another. But this this these next four games really feels like an important one for this team to solidify itself as a you know top half Big Ten team, sure thing tournament team, or is it going to be a scrap in this in this final month or six weeks to to try to get yourself back there? It looks like an NCAA tournament team to me. Yeah, me when too. I watch it. So, but you have to go out and do it, as you said, and you got to protect home court. Um, it's it's so. Uh, evident in this league. Uh, the home teams are 42 and seven. And if you look at those seven losses by home teams, four of those are by Nebraska and Northwestern. So, and I was already played on the road at both of those places. Wow. So that's something to keep an eye on. And the other losses at home, I think Wisconsin lost to Illinois at home and then Ohio state lost to Wisconsin at home. And then Wisconsin may have won another. I can't think of what the other one was, but it's just been so rare. And maybe that shakes out a little bit different as the season goes on, Andrew. And and that and and you know that opens up a little bit more, and more teams win on the road. But you just can't count on that right now. You just have to protect home court. And if you can win at home against Rutgers and then Wisconsin and against Illinois, all teams that are with you in that top middle middle to top of the big 10 then you're in position going into that second half of the schedule of the conference schedule to maybe pick off a couple of those wins on the road and put yourself up into that top tier in that top contention because you look at it and i don't i hate getting too far ahead of myself but i'm going to do this a little bit here just because i can that you know, the top four teams in the Big Ten tournament get that double buy. And when you're talking about a team with a short rotation like Iowa, if it can somehow get itself in that top four, you're not only helping yourself and your resume for the NCAA tournament, but you're helping get yourself in a position to maybe do some damage in that conference tournament, which again can give you a push into the NCAA tournament. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but these are some of the things that are on my mind. And they, and they should be, you know, and this is this is the fun part about being a fan and covering a team like this that's on this kind of a run is is you can look ahead and, you know, you depending on if you're a glass half full guy or a glass half empty, um, you know, I've, you, you see a fade coming or you see the, the opportunity to have uh, a better season than maybe even we thought possible a few weeks ago. Uh, the way this team is playing right now, you have to feel good about about some of these games. Um, I'm going to try to do, I think. 
a, uh, a an instant reaction Wednesday night after that Rutgers game. Another again, another top twenty five team coming into Carver Hawkeye Arena. And in a season where we didn't expect any of this, uh, I'm just going to try to soak all this up and, and enjoy it because um, especially now you start to see is Garza going, you know, does Wieskamp stick around, you know, you're getting Bohannon back for next season, most likely, but uh, what's, what's that look like? Does a, does a year off and a couple of hip surgeries change his game a lot? It's easy to look ahead to next year and say, yeah, there's a lot coming back and, and things could be great, but we all know things change very quickly in, in these sports and um, to try to count your chickens before they hatch talking about next season uh, is a dangerous game. So I think, I think we should ride this out and uh, hope for the best. Cause you're exactly right. This looks like a tournament team. It, it, it looks like a sweet 16 team to me. And I know that that can be kind of crazy to say uh, for a program that hasn't been there in over 20 years, but that's the way this team plays right now. And, and that's how excited I am about this. And if you look at it from on a national scale, Andrew, it's a pretty wide open year compared to some other years. You know, you don't have Kentucky and Duke aren't loaded with like four and five freshmen that are going to go in, you know, the first going to be lottery picks. There are certainly really good teams out there, but you look at the Big Ten and you look at nationally and it's just it's really as wide. open. I know we say this every year, but it really looks wide open this year. So it does. And you have to strike when those opportunities, you know, come up. You you got to take advantage of those. And Iowa at least has a is in position to do that. And you look at it. I haven't t- watched a ton of Rutgers. I don't know if you have. I watched a little bit of them this weekend. A little bit. I've watched a little bit of them here and there. Um, but really, a, a deep athletic team uh, that could give Iowa problems. So I think we'll get a, a good look on Wednesday night. Uh, of uh, at how much progress Iowa has made against teams. You know, w- we talked about earlier in the season, you know, they struggled with DePaul, a team that was quick and athletic and could get to the basket and do some uh, Rutgers is kind of reminiscent of that. So I'll be interested to see what type of progress Iowa has made against that type of opponent. Cause that's so critical when you get late in the season, when you get to tournaments, you're going to see so many different kind of teams, teams that are made up and built different ways. Uh, how can Iowa match up maybe against each of that, you know, each different type of, of how, how a, t- a team is composed. I love it. I love it. Wednesday night's going to be fun. Carver Hawkeye arena, check out HawkeyeNation.com and Rob's Twitter for, uh, for coverage, complete coverage of that, uh, you know, before, during and after the game. And, and Rob, what else do you have coming up Hawkeye nation uh, throughout this week? How we get a, a preview with the guys t- uh, tomorrow on Tuesday before the Rutgers game, and then we'll have R- Rutgers coverage. Uh, there's a, I believe, a, I don't know if it's a junior day this weekend for football recruiting, but they'll have some quite a few kids on campus, I believe, on Sunday. Um, so we'll have some recruiting stuff going out. And we, and we had some recruiting stuff last week as well. It kind of did a, a round with some of the in-state kids in the 2021 class, and we'll continue to do that as well. Um, and then plenty of, plenty of basketball and, um, trying to think if we have anything else. No, that about covers it. We, we, we have, <laughs> I, like we were talking about before we started recording, there's just, there is no off season anymore in, in college athletics and that's okay with me. I don't mind being yeah. busy and, and talking about things and having topics to discuss. It gets us through these winter days in the Midwest and, uh, looking forward to spring football. 
And then you and I will be back uh, next Sunday or Monday with another edition of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Rob, this is always fun, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad we waited until after Coach uh, Ferentz spoke today. Um, But we'll do this again pretty soon. Sounds good, bud. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay tuned to HawkeyeNation.com. And go Hawks.